Welcome to Design Privacy Weekly, a podcast about all things data security and privacy. Each week, we deliver the best in-depth analysis of real data privacy case studies for business leaders and privacy professionals so that they can stay informed of the latest news, trends, and developments in the industry. Whether you're a business owner, privacy expert, a privacy beginner, or just want to know more, this This is is the the podcast podcast for you. Now, here are your hosts, Chuck Cameron and Kerry Record. Morning, Kerry. How are you doing? I'm good, Chuck. And you? Great. So what, what case are we looking at today? So this morning, we're looking at a case out of the UK. The name of the case is DSG Retail Limited. And DSG is a very large nationwide retailer of consumer electronic products. So um, if you think about, if you're in the US, you think about like a Best Buy okay. or a Brands Mart. Um, um, here, well, what would that compare to? Price Mart. Price Mart, Quartz. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, everything you're talking about. Appliance, home appliances, computers, laptops, phones, anything like that. So this, this retailer, they were alerted in, let's, let's put a date to it, April of 2018 to a potential breach right. of their, their system, their computer system. So they started an investigation um, a little later in the year, July, and um, they realized that between July of 2017 and April of 2018, so we're talking about almost a year, right. malware had been installed by an attacker. Question, mm-hmm. who alerted? Who alerted who when you said someone alerted? The decision does not um, state who, but okay. external sources. So it could have been a do-gooder. It could have been even the, the person who, okay. who um, installed the malware on their, on their computer system. But they got an external alert. It was, it was not something they discovered okay. themselves. So that, with that, they commenced their investigation and they found that, um, as I said, malware had been installed on over 5,000 of their point of sale terminals mm. in their stores. And the attacker had been able to collect payment cards, so credit card, debit card information um, for any transactions that took place on any of those 5,000 odd POS terminals. So, so you are saying this, the, the, the asset or the device that was attacked is a point of sale machine, something that we use that in all our retail stores. All our retail stores, okay. anywhere you go, supermarket, pharmacy, whatever, wherever you run your credit card and your debit card. All right. right? So um, when they did the investigation, they confirmed that over a total of over 5 million cards had been affected. And the hacker was also able to get over 14 million data subjects, personal information. So, so in Jamaica, we don't call them a scammer. Oh, yes. Big time. Okay. Big time scammer. I mean, he had their name, their mailing address, mobile phone number, home phone number. This, so this is all information that the retail company would have had on their system. You know, date of birth, um, email address, all sorts of things. Um, and after they finished their investigation, about two months later, they inform the ICO, Information Commission in the UK. Of, of course, that there's like a lag time there because it's from April that they were alerted and they did their investigation and then in June they... Um, but the law really requires them to, to investigate, to report within 72 hours. Of being aware. 
okay. of a breach, right? So that's always something that, you know, data controllers need to be aware of. I mean, you, you just you can't take two months to decide whether you're going to report to the information commissioner. But anyway, she didn't dwell on that. Um, what her investigation revealed is that as far as um, ICO is concerned, they had breached data protection principle number seven, um, under their legislation, which is the equivalent of standard seven in our data protection act. Um, and she went through some of the, what are, so, so th what that would be, as you know, is insufficient technical and organizational measures in place to protect the data. That's a big one. That's the big one. Um, and she went through it. Um, and, and these are things that I, I think in our discussions and when you do webinars and seminars. A lot of people always ask, so what is a technical measure and what is an organizational measure? And, you know, they, they just don't know, but a very basic. Um, so did she set out some of those technical measures? Yes, definitely. Okay. So I can, I can run through a few so that we can get an idea of what that means. So very first thing on our list, she said that network segregation was mm -hmm. insufficient that their point of sale systems were not segregated from the wider corporate network. And I think we had discussed this, how that works. Right. Um, so, so when, well, you'd have heard me raise this issue before, and it's not because I'm an IT expert, it's because I've read a lot of these decisions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so obviously, if you can keep networks separate, they, that would decrease the likelihood of a hacker be, being able to move from one, get access information from one to the next. So, so I, 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 someone recently asked that question in a presentation and this is what I told them. Imagine working in a big company that has legal services, retail services and customer services. And in today's day, we like this concept of an open plan yes, office. Yes. So you just walk in and everybody just has a desk and everybody has access to everything. Exactly. Um, what with a segregated network, what should happen is that legal should have their own office that allows you to close, lock the door, mm -hmm. and then they would have their own filing cabinets with those filing cabinets locked. So if somebody breaks into the open office, they don't have access to everybody's information exactly. equally. It's really to identify what's the priority data and lock that away and separate, segregate that from the rest of your data. So that was most certainly a problem that um, the SG Retail faced here. That was the very first, um, insufficiency that the commissioner identified and then she moved on to the fact that they had no light local firewall configured mm -hmm. on the POS terminals um, and I think when we've discussed the very basic protection like a, a, a cyber essentials that's, I mean this that's, is that's data protection 101 right this is basic firewall. you know so no local firewall on the POS terminals um, next thing, also very basic, software patching was inadequate. Um, not up to date with the, the, patching, the, the, the patching of the software. And it is, they, that's the, the suspected vulnerability. Figure that's how the attacker was able to exploit their POS terminals. Because um, it was apparently able to retrieve a domain admin username and password. So. She also found that um, vulnerability scanning was not performed on a regular basis. 
Um, there was no enforcement of application whitelisting across the, the fleet, the full fleet of POS terminals, apparently probably less than 10 terminals had it where it would... So when you said, when you use the word whitelisting, you know what you, know what you mean when you say that? My, my understanding is where you would go in and you would instruct the, the device what applications it may and may not run. In yeah, okay. um, in in... in on most terminals, that was not even activated. So, um, but what it sounds like you are, or what it sounds like she's describing, is just your basic cyber essentials. And while our data protection act doesn't necessarily state, give us an, an example of what technical and organizational measures are, we do make reference, and it's our position that all companies, at a bare minimum, exactly. must implement. Cyber, the basic cyber essentials, and those are the things that she sounds that she's going through exactly. Um, because she, all of these so far, as we've gone, as we're discussing, are, are just the, the minimum. I think, I think cyber essential has a, has five minimum um, uh, add ons that you would put onto a system, and it, it would appear that this company. It had none of them, or at least they were they were inadequate. So one one thing that I've noted noticed with our legislation is that so in addition to well us recommending that we adopt cyber essentials, our legislation also speaks to the vulnerability testing. Yes. So that would really equate to cyber essentials plus. So not only must we have those basics in there, our legislation mandates that after you have set up the basics you also um, test it and some test vulnerability and test review. penetration exactly. testing. Exactly, exactly. So I'll just finish up um, some of the other insufficiencies that she noted just so that you know, people can be aware of them. Um, ineffective system of logging and monitoring, so that's what we we're just talking about, to identify and respond to incidents in a timely manner. Because again, for data controllers, you are under the clock in terms of a breach, in terms of um, notifying your supervisory authority or you know, information commissioner. They did not have that in place. They did not have that in place. Um, elements of the POS software were outdated and that put the terminals at risk of compromise. And as a result of them being outdated, they couldn't support point-to-point -point encryption, which is another requirement of our act um, and another you know, basic feature of cyber so, essentials. So for those persons who don't think it has anything, the Data Protection Act doesn't have anything to do with individuals. I mean, they don't think that Data Protection Act has anything to do with them because they don't process a lot of personal data. Um, if it is you have a point of sale, you are processing personal data and you are subject to attack. So what, what, what penalty, if any, was attached or flowed from that data breach? Well, at the time, she levied the maximum penalty mm. of 500,000, half a million pounds on DSG retail. Mm. And I would say that considering the size of that company, I mean, this is the UK we're talking about, large nationwide retailer with multiple stores all over. 
they're really you would have really expected them okay so the 500,000 sounds like it was under the old it's under the, the, the old data protection, um, data protection act okay um, because if you're if she were to have lived the maximum of the gdpr would be speaking about upwards of well four percent of your of gross, gross revenue exactly so her her decision didn't come down until 2020 but this took place um before, before. Okay. just as just before it happened so so this one i think is interesting because very often the first response people laypersons would have is oh well we don't process personal data my question then is okay so do you have a point of sale we process credit card data yes but that information we don't store that data um that what this case sets out is that as long as you and what process means if it comes into your possession any at all store it process it for payment whatever the case may be um you are it is exposed to third parties and people can steal the data and that's exactly what i'm here mm -hmm. so i think we should take this one and mark it oh definitely definitely um i think what people also have to remember is um not just payment card information but a lot of stores take customer information for whether they have a, a robust loyalty um that's the, that's the latest thing exactly or not i mean some stores it's a joke but they've already taken my information i had to fill out an application and they have they have a lot of my personal information whether electronically or just in a file well, for security so, purposes i always say no thank you that well th that would probably be the best thing to do but um the fact is, if they're going to do it, and it can, it can be beneficial to the to the customer. No, but you have to, you. you have to. See, but they need to understand the data controllers, the retailers. They need to understand that you have to protect the, yeah. the customer's data. Thanks, Kerry. Um, so for next week, what we're we looking at? Next week, we will be looking at unsolicited direct marketing text messages those nuisance text messages that's a big one that's a big one i'm listening out for you thank you you're welcome chuck have a good one you too thanks for joining us this week on design privacy weekly make sure to subscribe to the podcast on itunes so you'll never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in this show we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would help us to reach more people like you who can benefit from our content